Mark chapter 10, if you will. We're in a series in the book of Mark. We're, we've made it to chapter 10 after 25 weeks, so we're getting there. I have a, a study I want to do with you this morning that's going to be a word study that I hope is going to bring some clarity and some healing to you. Uh, I, I want to start, first of all, with a, an interesting fact, and that is this. How many of you have ever seen Michelangelo's sculpture of Moses? Uh, it's at St. Peter's, and it's an interesting sculpture. It's an interesting statue. There's Moses right there, and if you look at an unusual feature on Moses' head, he's got two horns. And you wonder, why, hey Mike, Mikey, why did you do this? Why did you put horns on Moses? Was he a bad dude? What's going on here? And the reason Michelangelo put two horns on Moses is because of the Bible he was reading. He was reading the Latin Vulgate that was translated from the Greek Septuagint of the Old Testament. The Greek Septuagint was translated by Jerome and translated into Latin, called the Latin Vulgate. And what he did in this particular portion of Scripture in Exodus 34:29 is Jerome translated it, and when Moses came down from Mount Sinai, he held two tablets of the testimony, and he knew not that his face was horned from the conversation of the Lord. The problem is with Jerome, he mistranslated the Hebrew word. It's not horns. It's shining. It's glory. His face was shining from the conversation with the Lord. Paul backs this up in Corinthians in the in the New Testament where he said that Moses had to put a veil over his face because of the glory that was shining off his face. The concept was there were these shafts of light that were beaming off of Moses. But Jerome got it wrong. He mistranslated the Septuagint. It had an impact on the culture in the city in the time of his day to where everybody thought Moses had horns. And uh, that's a mistranslation. You know, that didn't do too much damage uh, at all, really. But it it got corrected. But you know what? In Mark 10, we're going to see where there has been a number of things, people's lives that have been damaged by mistranslation concerning marriage, divorce, and remarriage. And I want to share that with you. Look, as a church, we declare that the Bible is inerrant. There are no errors in Scripture. But what we declare, it's with the original manuscripts. There is no error in the original manuscripts. But there are, from time to time, some areas that are mistranslated. It doesn't cause major damage to any of our doctrines, but it may bring some troubles for some folks. And I want to bring you into that discussion this morning in Mark chapter 10. Would you let me read it to you? Mark 10, verse 1. And he left there and went to the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan, and crowds gathered to him again. And again, as his, was his custom, he taught to them. He taught them. And Pharisees came up and in order to test him, asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, What did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. And Jesus said to them, Because of the hardness of your heart, He wrote you this commandment. 
But from the beginning of creation, God made the male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his mother and father and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What God therefore joined together, let no man separate. And in the house, the disciples asked him again about the matter. And he said to them, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. My point this morning is this, that in the section of Mark chapter 10, it's the same as well in Matthew and in Luke, there is a mistranslation. What you'll notice is this. Mark 10 reads, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Jesus then follows up saying, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. Sounds pretty straightforward, pretty plain. Many churches have established doctrine over this. Here's the problem of the translation. It's actually this. The word for divorce in the Greek in Mark, Matthew, and Luke is not the word for divorce. It's the word put away. It says in actuality, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife? Whoever puts away his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she puts away her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. Here's the simple definition of putting away. Separation. Let me ask you, in your culture and in this time, is there a difference for you between separation and divorce? Does it matter? Absolutely, it does. There are a lot of different ramifications, aren't there? If you're separated or if you're divorced. Let's take a look at this and go even further. In the Hebrew, kirathath is divorce. Shalak is send away. Bringing that into the Greek, apostation is divorce, and apoluo is send away. So, those verses are saying, if a man apoluos his wife. In fact, let me highlight it even further for you. Apoluo means to send away. 69 times this word is used in the New Testament. 59 of those times it's translated send away, dismiss, put away. Only 10 times is it used as the word divorce. And it's used in every reference when Jesus is teaching about putting away for some reason in the 1900s. You'll find the King James and the American Standard still use the word put away. But for some reason the modern translations all changed apoluo, send away, to divorce. And that has created a problem for many. Here's how it actually reads. It says this, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife? Moses, and Jesus said, what did Moses say? They say, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to put her away. Interesting. Right in this verse, they have the Greek word for divorce and the Greek word for put away, but in these other references in the same passage, they don't say put away, they say divorce. When divorce is not the word used. And that's created a problem. Many people in different denominations and in different churches who have gone through a divorce, who have experienced a divorce, have been told they can't remarry, have been told they can't take communion, have been told that you cannot participate in any of the offices of the church. And many of it's based on wrong translation. 
Let's take a look at this. Jesus replied to them. Remember it said they came to ask a question to test Jesus. And so they ask a question, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife? Jesus' response was what? Let's go to the law. Why would Jesus, why would Rabbi Jesus have them turn to the law of Moses? Because it's the law of God. Jesus came to obey the law of God and fulfill that law of God. And so he said, what did Moses tell you? And so they reply that Moses commanded that there be a bill of divorcement and then putting away, or the sending away. And then Jesus goes on to say this. He says, because of your hardness, he wrote to you this commandment. All right? And I'll get into that in a minute. But from the beginning of creation, God made the male and female. So he goes to the creation ordinance and says that, first of all, marriage was ordained by God. This is God's institution from the very beginning. He ordained it. He designed it. So it's something that God ordained. All right? He then goes on and says it's between a man and a woman. It is an ordinance from the beginning of time that marriage should be between a man and a woman. And he goes on then to say that the only reason that there is an allowance for divorce is because the hardness of heart. In other words, sin. Sin breaks down most things. All things. The wages of sin is what? Death. And that breaks, deteriorates, and damages things. And there are times, and we'll get into it in a minute, according to the law, where divorce was permitted because sin damaged the marriage. And so God allows this. Because of the hardness of men's hearts. In other words, there is a way of escape for the victims of sin in a marriage. He goes on and says, don't don't destroy the design of marriage. I paraphrase that because he says, "Let what God has put together, let no man separate. Now, I personally believe that that is an injunction for any marriage, that God has designed marriage to last And by His grace, you can make it through. But marriages fail. They do. And sometimes they fall apart. And there is, in fact, an exception in the law for divorce, as we'll look and see. But I really believe, as we unfold this thing, when He says, do not destroy or don't separate what God has joined together, I believe He's speaking to the institution of marriage. I believe He's saying, in context to what has been declared here, that God ordained marriage, God designed marriage so that the two would become one, and that purpose in the earth and that purpose for marriage should never be damaged nor reoriented or recalculated. This is the marriage. And in our society today, in the court systems and in the ballot box, we've got folks trying to redesign the very structure of marriage from a man to a woman to now a man to a man or a woman to a woman, and that is destroying what God has joined together for a purpose. So we need to watch that, amen? So then Jesus responds to them, and he says, what did the law say? Let's take a look at what the law says. In Deuteronomy 24, verses 1 and 2, it says this, When a man hath taken a wife and married her, and it comes to pass that she finds no favor in his eyes because he found some uncleanness in her, then let him write a bill of divorcement 
and give it in hand and send her out of his house. That is the law of God, the provision of the law for divorce. In it you'll see three steps that are absolutely necessary for the law concerning divorce. Number one, there has to be found some uncleanness. In other words, you just can't leave your wife or leave your husband for any reason. There has to be some uncleanness. Now this is where most of the debate comes from as to what gives me the right to divorce someone or not. What can I do? Most people translating simply Mark and Luke are saying it's only adultery. But in the law, it was more than adultery. Some uncleanness means some nakedness. It means something uncovered, unprotected. And so there were two schools of thought in Jesus' time, the school of Shema and the school of Hillel. One was very strict and said it was only for sexual adultery, fornication, something sexual that you were, was unclean that allowed you divorce. Then it, it was stretched really to the other side where Hillel, more liberal, would say, hey, my wife burnt toast in the morning, I'm done with her. So there were extremes as there are today as to why divorces happen. Is it only adultery or might there be abuse? Might there be such physical abuse, mental abuse, and so forth? Now I know these definitions get stretched and I'm not here to discuss this aspect of it today. I want to teach you what's in Mark. And so right now the first step is there's got to be a reason. Something that is understood as breaking the covenant. Secondly, you must write a bill of divorcement. Once that bill is written, where does it need to go? Give it in hand. Who gets the bill of divorcement? She does or he, the person being divorced. They get a bill of divorcement. This is the uniqueness of the Mosaic law at this time in history and in culture. Because in other cultures, you wanted to leave your wife, you wanted to dismiss her, you'd stand at your doorpost and say, I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you. Hit the road. And she's done. Now in that culture, women couldn't go up to the 7-Eleven and Burger King and get a job. Women couldn't find work. They were alone, unsupported. Where are they going to get food? Where are they going to find shelter? How are they going to get something? Well, if they go to another man to see if she might marry him, he's going to say, are you properly divorced? And she would say, "Uh, yeah, he said uh, I should take a hike. Listen, I'm not getting involved with you, lady. But if she had a bill of divorcement, it proved that she was then free to remarry because she was properly divorced. So you have to give a bill of divorcement. And then thirdly, what do you do? Send her out or the putting away. And that's the aspect, in fact, the question that's being asked to Jesus. And so there's three things are important to have. Now, that's Deuteronomy 24, verse 1. Verse 2 then reads next, And when she is departed out of the house, she may go and be another man's wife. You see, the definition of divorce is this, that if you are divorced, the covenant is broken and you are now free to make a new covenant with someone else. In the law of God, He allowed divorce and remarriage. Oh, we've got a problem, don't we? Because if the law of Moses says 
you can divorce and remarry, but the portion of Scripture we just read in Mark 10, Jesus said, if you divorce someone and they remarry, they commit adultery. Hmm. We've got a problem, don't we? Now we've got Jesus in opposition to the law of God. Ooh. Is Jesus saying the law was insufficient or the law was wrong? Did Jesus come to change the law of God? What did Jesus come to do? Fulfill it, which means uphold it, and to fulfill it to perfection. So this is one of the points to where it's a wrong translation, and you can see if that word means divorce, that if you divorce your wife, she marries another, and they commit adultery, then we've got Jesus being contrary to the law of God. That's a problem, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Let's look at this logically. Number one, how many of you know that God is a divorcee? God divorced Israel. Let's see how God divorced Israel. In Jeremiah 3.8 it says this, I gave faithless Israel her certificate of divorce and sent her away because of all her adulteries. Did God uphold the law? Yeah, he did it according to his own law. Now, Jesus would be calling his father an adulterer. He was still married to Judah. So, if, if marrying after divorce is wrong, God's wrong. We've got a problem here. So, I gave faithless Israel her certificate of divorce and sent her away. Well, actually, divorce, you can divorce. It's not remarrying. So, I guess he wouldn't be an adulterer. It's just that he divorced her. And some folks have that issue of divorce. But there's clearly the right that God exercised because of adultery to divorce Israel. Israel were the northern ten tribes. Say, where are the northern ten tribes of Israel now? We have no idea. They were sent out. They were scattered. God remained married to Judah. And that is what we call Israel today is the tribe of Judah and those who remain. Now, God actually used divorce. You see, He also commanded divorce. If you'll remember in the book of Ezra, Nehemiah and Ezra are training up Israel after the Babylonian captivity. They come back, they rebuild the wall, they rebuild the temple, and they say, okay, and Ezra reads them the law, stick to it, boys and girls. They depart, they come back, and guess what they found? They didn't stick to it. All the men of Israel married the women surrounding in the Canaanite tribes and Philistines and all the surrounding tribes. God then commands them to divorce them. Ezra 10.3 Now therefore let us make a covenant with our God to put away all the wives and let it be done according to the law. So God does not have a problem with divorce. Yes, He does. He hates divorce. I'll get to that in a minute. Hold on. God Himself divorced Israel God commanded divorce to Israel on these issues. So there is a proper reason and time for divorce. Now, can God heal any marriage? Absolutely. Even with adultery? Absolutely. Is it God's design for divorce? No. It's because of the hardness of hearts and the failures of men that He allows it for the safety and the well-being of the victim. And so we go on. Third point. If it is properly translated, where's the test? Where's the trick? Remember, it says that the Pharisees came to test Jesus. 
Where's the test in, is it lawful to divorce your wife? Let me ask you, according to the law of Moses, is it lawful to divorce a wife? Yeah, so where's the test? What's so tricky about this? There's no trick, it's real simple. But that's not what they asked him, is it? The proper translation is this. Is it right to put away a wife? And what does Jesus do? Goes right back to the law and says, what does the law say? The law does not allow you to simply put a woman away except if she be caught in adultery. Then you can cast her out. But the law says you must give her a bill of divorcement in hand. Then you can send her away. That's what Jesus said. And it makes sense then that he backs that up by saying, if you put her away, and I'll fill in the blank, without a bill of divorce, then she is not properly divorced, and if she marries another, she what? Commits adultery. This makes perfect sense. And this is completely in a line with the law of Moses. Now everything harmonizes scripturally. So if you put a woman away, except for the reason of uh, adultery, yes, you can kick her out. But if you put her away, you must give her a bill of divorcement because if you don't, she will commit adultery. And same for the guy. Our culture understands that. If you separate from your wife without a divorce and you go shack up with someone else, what are you doing? It's, It's really simple. All right? So the trick question was, can we put them away? Jesus answers, no. You must give a bill of divorcement. And fourth of all, just logic and reasoning. Why would Jesus call remarriage adultery when it was allowed by the law? I read to you Deuteronomy 24, verse 2, which says, if the woman has divorced or the man and they marry another, they're free to do so. Why would Jesus then call that adultery? Right? But it makes sense if they're not talking about adultery. I'm sorry, divorce. They're talking about putting away. Does this make sense to you? Do you understand the logic in this? Let's go on. The Lord hates divorce. God hates divorce. Let me first stress, God hates the sin that breaks marriages apart. God hates the activity that dissolves and separates the bond of love and the bond of marriage. Does he hate divorce? That's not what the verse says. It's another mistranslation. God hates, and look up the Hebrew, please pull out your concordances, God hates putting away. He, in fact, later in that verse calls it treachery. Why? Why would they ask this? Why would they ask, why can't we just put our wives away? We don't need divorce. Why would Jesus say, well, then you're committing, allowing adultery if you just put them away? Why? Why does God hate the putting away? It's not the divorce. God allowed divorce in the law. So what does he hate? The putting away. Why? It's treachery. And why? Because, number one, no divorce papers, no remarriage. If you do not give divorce papers to the person you divorced, especially the woman, she has no means of support. You're making her uh, homeless. She can't afford the Ramada Inn. There aren't any. 
She can't go work. All she could do is try and glean in the fields some food. Where is she going to sleep? Where is she going to stay? Possibly with her family. But she's a woman put out. Not properly dismissed. So she wanders. And so it's putting a woman out into the streets. Many would have to turn to prostitution. Or many would have to go back to the guy that kicked her out. Give him favors, if you will, for food or whatever she could get. The second point is, if you divorce, according to the law of Moses, you have to pay back the dowry. Ah. It always comes down to money. When a man and a woman married in Israel, the father of the bride gave a dowry to the marriage. Furniture, dishes, money, whatever came with the bride. If a man divorces his wife, the dowry goes back to the wife. So guess what a number of people began doing? Hit the road, baby. Keeping the dowry. Simply putting her away. And so the question to Jesus is, is it lawful for a man to put away a wife? His answer? No. What does the law say? The law says you must give a bill of divorcement. That is what Mark 10, Matthew 19, is all about. Now, why teach on divorce and remarriage? Because it's Mark 10 and we happen to be there this week. Why else? 52% of the population has gone through divorces. How has the church ministered to those who have gone through divorces? Not well. Not well. There are many of you, and in the first service I had many folks coming up to me with tears in their eyes. There are many people who have been so mistreated by the church. Look, at there are many and varied reasons for divorces. Most of the time, there are legitimate divorces, but the church doesn't recognize legitimate or illegitimate divorces, even reasonable divorces. Many times the church says, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't hold position, you can't have authority, you can't do this. Many people who are divorced, first of all, don't know if they're allowed to remarry. They feel if they do remarry, they're committing adultery, which they're not. And thirdly, they feel like a second-class citizen in the church. And that's unfortunate. It's the horns on Moses, if you will. It's a mistranslation of what Scripture says. Now, do I support people getting divorced? Only for the protection and only for their well-being. I believe God can heal any marriage and any amount of damage that sin can do to a marriage. I believe that with all my heart. I have counseled here for 24 years marriages. This is a topic very, very important to me. When I'm dealing with broken homes, broken families, young people and old alike who have gone through divorces, there is a reason God put it in the law. There are people who are abused. There are people who are abandoned. There are people whose uh, spouse has gone and cheated repeatedly and continues to do so and it brings heartache and problem into that life and if they can't it takes two to restore a marriage and if one will not God gives the allowance 
for a divorce so that you may have that bill of divorcement and try to redeem your life to find hope and satisfaction once again in the beauty of marriage. But there are those who also take advantage of it and with burnt toast leave. Let me encourage you that I do not promote divorce. I promote marriage. Many people say this. They said, hey, look it. If the church would be more strict on divorce, there'd be less divorces. And I'll tell you what, that's not the case. If the church would teach people how to be married, there'd be less divorces. The church has absolutely failed to instruct people and give people the the tools and the instruction of Scripture on how to stay married through any situation, how to cultivate a marriage, and how to keep it. That's the first commandment God gave to Adam, to cultivate and guard the garden of his home. And many marriages don't know how to do this. The church needs to train people how to love, how to respect, how to care for each other in marriage. Restricting divorce will only cause people to continue to abuse each other. Let's turn the tide. I want you to understand here, I'm preaching and teaching this so that it may bring some sense of understanding so that you can take this to a world that half the number in this world are getting divorced, wounded, and broken, and they feel that they cannot go to the church because the church will simply brand them a sinner. You need to help them understand the redemption in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me just finish with this. I don't recommend divorce. It's a mess. Again, I preface with the fact that I understand why there is divorce. And again, I understand there are each unique situations. The church should not put a blanket statement on something that is so unique to all individuals. It takes independent individual care from pastoral counseling and the help of spiritual leadership in that marriage. And it takes two. Each marriage is a unique dynamic. It takes care and concern. But I want you to understand, I don't promote divorce. I think it causes problems. Here are eight reasons what people use to follow up and finish a marriage for the option of divorce. And if there might be anybody here this morning that's thinking of it, I want to persuade you that God's grace is sufficient to heal your marriage. Stick with it. There, was, there were um, surveys done and tests done where they studied families for 10 years and they studied five who got divorces and five who were going to get divorces but hung in there and stayed after the 10 years they saw that the five who did divorce were still bitter and still had anger and were not happy but the five who remained through the tough times and made it through and stayed in the marriage were much happier and worked through their problems hang in there hang in there Now, January is known as the highest month for divorces, filing divorces. It's also the highest month for deaths, too. I don't know if there's a correlation between the two. (laughs) But I don't recommend divorce. Here's one of the reasons why people say, let's get divorced. Number one, my kids want me to be happy. Really, your kids uh, want their own happiness. 
I know kids. They want their own happiness. What makes a kid happy is having a mom and a dad. That's what they want. My kids will be better off. Well, research shows not so. Children of divorce are experiencing higher rates of emotional and behavioral problems. It affects the kids. So don't use the kids as your excuse. Again, I understand extenuating circumstances where there is abuse, where there is a father abusing a child or a mother abusing a child. Please, I understand that. And I'm not speaking about those instances. Number three, my next marriage will be better. Not, statistics prove not so. The average rate of divorce is 52%. The average rate of divorce for second and third marriages is 75 What didn't get fixed in the first marriage typically goes to the next. My relationship with my children won't change. Yeah, it will. They're not going to be with you as they would if you were there all the time. I tell, I tell this to folks all the time, you know, because they're upset about their mate and they want to get a divorce, but you're, that's always going to be their children's father or mother. You're always going to be dealing with them somehow, some way. And so the concept that the relationship with the children won't change, the children now have to go between two homes and work that out in their schedule for school and life itself. Yeah, it'll change. I won't have any regrets. I think you will. But again, I understand when there are times where getting out is the, is the directive you know and you need to take. I understand that. I also understand that when you're in the midst of something that is breaking down and sin is deteriorating it, years later you wonder if we could have made it. But at that time... The dysfunction was too great. Number six, we shouldn't stay together for the kids. Well, you're not staying together for each other. Why not the kids? If you can find some reason to stay together, it might help you get through it. And it might help you find a way to work through your problems for the sake of your children. That's a good reason. Um... Again, number seven, divorce will solve my problems. Divorce doesn't solve problems. It creates a whole new set of problems. So it may get you out of some really emotionally trying, difficult times, but still it will create a whole new set of problems. Last of all, kids are resilient and they'll adapt to the new situation. Well, kids are pliable and bendable, but they never adapt. They just make do typically what do i what do we say about all this half if not more in this congregation are divorced and remarried you understand the pain of this you know it but what i want to clearly indicate to you is this that jesus did not contradict the law it is not adultery if you've been divorced to remarry It is God giving you an opportunity to find that blessing of marriage in your life. And so God allowed it. That question to Jesus in Mark and in Matthew and in Luke is a question of putting away. It's a question of dismissing a woman without giving her back her dowry and giving her a bill of divorcement. 
That's what was happening in Jesus' day. I hope you understand this, and I hope the reason that you'll have more clarity is so that you might be able to help your neighbors and your friends and the folks round about you. This world needs to understand the church's position on marriage, divorce, and remarriage. And with God's grace, He can heal and mend our lives. Many of you had failed marriages. I don't know anybody that goes into a marriage hoping it'll fail. Everybody has hopes and dreams that it's going to be rich and good and and life comes on and sin comes in and hardness of heart and marriages have failed. Many of you know that pain. Many of you know that heartache. But I'm here to tell you God is a redeeming God. He redeems. He doesn't condemn. He redeems. He heals. And He wants to bring your life into blessing and health. Learn from the Scriptures. Grow from the Scriptures. And find God to be your shepherd through your life. Let's bow our heads.